evangelist. St. John the evangelist. So, my dear brothers and sisters, very good morning to you all. So, with the permission of Father Don Cobain, by the way, Father Don Cobain was my former boss when I was working in Sotu. I was taking care of one of his outstations, so he was my dean. So that is actually one of the reasons why I'm happy to come and visit him this Sunday. When he summoned me to come to Mass, who am I? I have to appear immediately. So thank you very much, Father, for this invitation. I want to ask permission from him to take off my face mask in the interest of audibility, I promise I will not give anybody coronavirus. So, beloved, we want to thank God. I began this mass by indicating that we have three things to thank God for. First and foremost, let's thank God that we have seen the month of March, the third month in the year. It's a blessing to be alive, isn't it? Jesus, 
during the season of Lent, so that at Easter you will rise with him. And that is what you want to do. I usually, there's one thing that I like about Lent and that I like to share very often. I want you to imagine that during the season of Lent, let's say there are one billion Catholics everywhere in the world. One billion Catholics everywhere in the world. That is not to talk of other denominations, Methodists, you know, who sometimes also observe Lent. And think of one billion people who are fasting and praying at the same time. That's a spiritual bond. And I usually say that Lent is an opportune time. It's an opportune time because you are not alone. You know how if you are praying alone for something, sometimes it's not easy. You get tired and so on. But one billion people are praying with you and fasting. That's not easy. So, insert yourself in this move of global prayer. Be part of it. Let it give you that energy that you need. Maybe at first it was not easy for you to pray, to forget. This time, don't let let pass you by, my friend. The kingdom of God has suffered violence, and violence has taken by force. So be part of the season of death. Insert yourself with that. That's what I want to say. Amen. Amen. Now, beloved, let's share a little bit with them in our readings for today. And today I would like to focus on our reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, 1 through 11, is the story of the temptation of Jesus. Usually, on the first Sunday of Lent, we hear about the temptations of Jesus. So I just want to reflect with you briefly on that passage of Scripture. Jesus being led by the Spirit 40 days into the desert where he's fasting and praying, and we are told at the end he's hungry and Satan comes that's the, the, the story that we're going to be reflecting upon. And we know that there are three temptations here. That the first temptation, Satan comes to him and says, Look, you are hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Okay, turn the stones into bread and eat. And Jesus responds to him and says, Man does not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Second temptation, he takes him up a high mountain where the Lord says, He shows him the Basileia and the Ecumene, all the kingdoms and the nations of the world. And he says, well, Bow down, and I will give this to you. And, and, and Jesus responds to the word of God and says, The Lord your God is the one and look that you shall serve, you shall serve no other. And then the third one, he says that he took him to the parapet of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple, and he explained to you what that means. And he sets it up there and says, well, throw yourself down, for the word of God says that you will not even hit your foot against the stone. And Jesus will respond to say, Be God, Satan. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Amen. So I want to reflect with you, I want to suggest to you that these are three types of temptations that every Christian must go through. Every one of us will go through these three types of temptations. I think that they are a summary of all the spiritual challenges that a Christian will go through in your life. I'm going to be taking them one by one so we look at them and see what import they have. And see, the first one, temptation, says that 
And you are happy why don't you turn these stones into bread? If you remember in Exodus chapter 16, when the people of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they were hungry in the desert, okay? And they were crying for food. And, and there was a miracle. Moses cried out to the Lord and he allowed man to fall down. So that is where the temptation is coming from. But you see, this is a temptation that has to do with man's relationship, with woman's relationship with the things that God has created. With the things that God has created. You see, the things that God has created, remind me from Genesis chapter 1, everything that God created, he said, is good, isn't it? The first day he created the sun. It's good. Second day he created it's good. The things that God has created are all good. But the things that God has created good can be used as a trap to bring us into temptation. Good, right? But you 
need to use your beauty for something else. See what I'm saying? I don't agree to you. So the things that God has created are good, but we must use them for the right things. Number two. The second temptation was that when of God says that he took Jesus onto a mountain and he showed him the kingdoms and the nation. The kingdoms and the nation. In fact, just before I came up to preach, I, I just decided something struck me and said, check the word in Greek. The two words are the Basileia and the Equimene. The Basileia and the Equimene. In the year 323, 326, 336 BC, before Christ was born, there was a young man called Alexander the Great. And you see, Alexander the Great decided that he, he, he was a great general. A young man of about 20 years. And he decided that he wanted to conquer the world. And he did. He conquered from Europe all the way almost into India. The whole world, the whole known world was under his control. Young man was about 24, he died about 24 years. And you see, that, that desire to control other people, to control nations, is the second great temptation of man. First one I said is the thing that God created. The second thing is the things that the people that God has created. The people that God has created. That was the great temptation of Alexander the Great. The Basileia and the community. The whole world. You see, God has put in us something good that if you are a corporal, you want to become a sergeant. If you are a sergeant, you want to become a staff sergeant. You want to staff, you want to be a girl, you want to become a lieutenant, you want to become a captain. Every man wants to go up in life, okay? If you have B, you want to get worse, you get worse, you want to get a third, you want to get a third, you want to get a master, master, which is good. But you see, sometimes the desire is two things. Because I see that my neighbor has it, therefore I also want it. You know that in Nigeria, you know what they call generator? When it lights up, generator, you know what they call it? I pass my neighbor. I pass my neighbor. So when there's light up, you your I pass my neighbor on, and he's in darkness. And it's in that idea of Wanting to have all the kingdoms and the nations. Some people don't want the kingdoms from the nation. The only thing is that I'm selling in the market and I want to sell more than the woman who is sitting by me. You understand what I'm saying? That's the kingdom. I am in the job and I want I want to be promoted, you know. I want to go and have influence. 
I mean, the society cannot be the president. I want people to be under me. I you understand what I'm saying? He is driving a Camry. I must drive a Land Cruiser. See, before you know it, where those thoughts are leading you, if you are not careful, you can even kill your brother. She is married to a banker. I am married to a teacher. I also want a banker. And it is that the second source of our temptations, the desire to be over my neighbor.
when I got to your junction over here and I looked up, I saw your beautiful cathedral tower. You come visit when you are in Adelaide and once you raise your leg, you see the tower. So he took it to the pinnacle of the temple. Pinnacle of the temple. But you see, in the Greek language, the pinnacle has two meanings. It can mean the high point. In fact, the word is stelix. Stelix means the wing of the temple. So it can mean the highest point of the temple. That's one possibility. But there's another meaning. You see, if you look at the temple in Israel, there is actually only one place that the word builds wings. The Ark of the Covenant, in the Ark of the Covenant, you remember that there are two cherubim, two angels on top of the Ark, and they have stretched their wings. So you see, when it says that he took him to the tombs of the temple, one understanding would be that he took him up. But another understanding is that he took him to the spiritual high point. Your spiritual lack of faith can be a big 
In effect, you know, I'm a teacher. Teachers tend to talk a lot. That's my temptation. So I'll stop here. But I want to believe that during the slides, God will bless you. He will grant you control over the things that He has created. He will order your relationship with your neighbor. But above all, that He will segment and anoint your faith in Him. And that is how you will grow through the season of life. And if we all did that, I believe Ghana would be a better place. Our independence will be meaningful. Let us pray today for our leaders. They need wisdom to guide this nation. We are citizens. Let's hold each other's hands so that we can move this country forward. May God bless you. Amen.